Welcome to the Destiny Awakening Interviews, a podcast with Andrew Wayfinder and his guests, bringing you powerful insights, inspiration, and ways to break free, live life your way, and make a difference in our changing and challenging world. So hello, everyone, and a very warm welcome to another edition of the Destiny Awakening Interviews. I'm Andrew Wayfinder Runyevich, and I'm joined today by Scott Jeffrey Miller, a multi-bestselling author, radio and podcast host, leadership coach, columnist, and global keynote speaker. So a very warm welcome to you, Scott. And where are you hanging out today? Andrew, I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah. That's great. Um, yeah, we were talking before the show that we have a little bit of an overlap with, with your having lived in Provo. And, and also in Florida and in the UK, <laughs> I've lived where you've lived, and I tend to be a couple of steps behind you in most of your uh, disruptions. Okay. So, well, let's get on to your work, your experience, and your books. So after capping a 25-year career as chief marketing officer and executive VP of business development, Scott is now Franklin Covey's senior advisor on thought leadership, developing strategy for their speakers bureau, as well as podcasts, webcasts, and best-selling books. He hosts the Franklin Covey on Leadership podcast with Scott Miller, which is the world's largest and fastest growing leadership podcast, reaching more than 6 million people a week. So thank you so much, Scott, for your time today. And the topic is from mess to success. And Scott's going to unpack that idea in six questions. So the first question is, who is your ideal reader? And what's the transformation your books helps them achieve? I think ideally, Andrew, it's someone that is transitioning or has transitioned from being an independent contributor to becoming a leader of people. That I think too far in organizations, too many times we promote the wrong people. That just because you are the best salesperson or you're the best you know, uh, dental hygienist or digital designer does not mean you should be the top leader of salespeople or the leader of the dental hygienist. That what makes you a great individual contributor does not always make you a great leader. In fact, rarely are the two correlated. So that I think people, as they move into leadership positions, you need to think very carefully, is this what I want to do? Is this the only way I can earn more money, gain more influence, have more authority? Because not everyone should be a leader of people. Just like not everyone should be an anesthesiologist or a commercial airline pilot, not everyone should be a leader of people. Okay. So, so when somebody's in that position, what's, what's the biggest challenge they're facing? That's question number two. I think most people that move into leadership roles don't understand that their job is not to do it themselves, not to rush in and save the day. They've got to change their mindset. When you become a leader of people, you have to fundamentally change your paradigm and own the idea that your job is to achieve results with and through other people that you have to take delight and pride in developing relationships and in coaching and slowing down and mentoring, that your job is not any longer to be the genius, but rather to quote Liz Wiseman, the genius maker of others. That sounds a little bit like my journey as a solo practitioner is the first couple of years I was doing, you know, as a therapist and then as a coach, my first few years, I was working on becoming a really good employee getting really good at the right. thing. Yeah. And one day I looked up and said, wait a second, who's running this business? Yeah. When you become a leader of people, I think it's vital that you recognize you're in the relationship business, right? You are building 
capability in others. And your most important contribution is developing high trust relationships where you can give people feedback on their blind spots. You can have high courage conversations that you can help people both, you know, redirect their behavior and also reinforce their behavior. It's not for everyone. And I think too often that when people implode in a leadership position, it's because it wasn't right for them. In fact, I'll tell you, Andrew, I'm not sure I should have been a leader of people, but it's the way most organizations promote people. You can't get promoted unless you lead a team. And I think it's done a lot of damage to a lot of great individual producers that otherwise could have had a great career, but they step up and then they don't like the role and they really step back or step down. They have to step out because it's yeah. so humiliating for a lot of people. Be very deliberate about who you are promoting into leadership positions and deciding yourself, is this the right best step for me? Does this bring me joy? Is this my passion? It's tough mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I think you just answered question number three, your number one insight to share with well, people. On that point, I think my number one insight is when you become a leader, you are not meant to be the smartest person in the room, right? Your job is to model the behaviors you want to see in the people who work for you. Your job is to be a light, not a judge, a model, not a critic. And I would argue that vulnerability is now a key leadership competency. I, I'm the author of the Mess to Success series, 10 books over 10 years. The first book was Management Mess to Leadership Success. The second book was Marketing Mess to Brand Success. And so I think it's important as leaders, we own our messes. Because when you own your mess as a leader, you make it safe for others to own theirs as well. You can teach through your messes. I, I, Andrew, I don't have your competence. I don't have your IQ. I don't have your skills. I can't replicate what you have done if you were my leader. But if you were to share with me, not gratuitously, but responsibly, the mistakes you've made, the journey you've been on, and were to teach through your mistakes, I can avoid those, right? I can easily not do what you did wrong, not say what you shouldn't. And when you have a vulnerable leader, you've got someone that can teach through their messes, people will cleave to that person um, in, a, in an era right now where there's a tsunami of transition coming, right? People aren't hostages anymore. They have options now. So if you want to spend your time recruiting people, don't own your mess. If you want to spend your time re-recruiting your current people, own your mess and teach through it. Okay, great. So question number four, in your own development, what's been the most impactful concept, book, program, talk, or experience? What's What's the thing that really jumps out at you know, that was a kind of a pivotal moment or understanding. Well, this may sound self-serving, but it's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, written by Dr. Covey, right? This book has sold 40 million copies. What's interesting is the book is often mispronounced as The Seven Habits of Highly Efficient People. No, Dr. Covey wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People because there's a big difference between efficiency and effectiveness. One is not better than the other. There is just a time to be efficient, processes, systems, email, maybe social media posting, washing your car. And there's a time to be effective. And that's nearly always with people. And I think highly effective people just know when to be efficient and when to be effective. Because to quote again, Dr. Covey, with people, fast is slow and slow is fast. Yeah. Well, I think that highlights I think, you know, the, yeah, the efficiency people can optimize something, but that doesn't say anything about whether they're optimizing the right thing or the useful thing 
or to that or, point. I mean, that's me. I'm the poster child for efficiency and not in a bad way. I, I'm a very productive person. I work super hard. I get up at 3 a.m. and I go to bed at 10 p.m. and I get a lot done. It's actually been the key contributor to most, most of my success in life. I am a highly efficient person. The problem is like most efficient people, that's my modus operandi. It's my go-to strength. And when I move it into my relationships, I do a lot of damage, right? As a parent, as a spouse, as a leader. And it's tough for me. I have to summon an unnatural level of self-awareness to know when do I need to slow down and move out of my default efficiency mindset that drives my behavior, my rate, my pitch, my speed. Because most people know that with Scott, you're going to have a very fast, productive conversation, but it's probably not going to be very deep and meaningful. Don't expect that from me. That horrifies me. So I've got to, even at age 52, I've got to summon a natural self of sense of self-awareness to know, take a breath, close my laptop, take off my iWatch, take off, to turn it down, take everything off and just focus on the person. You know, the, the most effective leaders are those that are all in, right? Their heart, their mind, their soul, their listening skills. And it's a stretch for me. I, it's a mess most days for me. Okay. So question number five, what's a free resource you'd like to share with the audience? Well, you can visit my website, scottjeffreymiller.com. I have over 170 episodes of my podcast. It's the world's largest weekly leadership podcast. You mentioned that. It's both audio and video. You can read all of my ink columns, all my LinkedIn columns, but I've had the privilege of interviewing some amazing people like Doris Kearns Goodwin, Matthew McConaughey, Carly Fiorina, General McChrystal, Dan Pink, Seth Godin, Liz Wiseman, you name it. Um, it's a great trove of resource. Visit scottjeffreymiller.com. And there is more content there than you probably care to consume. That's great. That, that sounds like really, really great brain candy. It's pretty good. Thank you. And then uh, question number six, Scott, the last question. What should I have asked you that I didn't ask you? Wow, that's such a great question. Um, my biggest insight from the 170 interviews that I've been privileged to host on, on leadership is that these people that are wildly successful, right? Billionaires, multimillionaires, best-selling author, authors, titans of industry, they all have two things in common. They outwork everybody else. They just are sheer hard workers. Quite frankly, I'm not sure any of them are smarter than me. Now, some of them I'm sure are, but they just have an insane work ethic. And second is they were not overnight successes. There's no such thing as overnight success. There is overnight fame. Google Lorena Bobbitt, right? There is overnight fame. There's no such thing as overnight success. All these major authors, celebrities, they have as many TV pilots more that you never saw, that never got picked up, that did. There are movies that never got released, books that you never heard of before. So nobody burst on the scene. These people have 10, 15 years of extraordinarily hard work toiling behind the scenes with major mistakes and wrecks and projects that never, and then they hit a tipping point. So keep going. Your success time, it might be your fifth book. It might be your seventh TV pilot. It might be your ninth cookbook. It might be your 20th podcast episode. It might be your fourth side hustle. It might be your fifth entrepreneurial venture. Rarely does the original idea become the idea that tips your business to the tipping point. In fact, the research shows that 93% of the time, companies that achieve success financially 
did so with an emergent strategy, not their original deliberate strategy. Be willing to change your mind, work hard, and recognize that it may take a while for you to hit your tipping point. Yeah. Well, I think the other interesting, I forget the exact statistic, but it's something along the lines of startups with older founders, even much older founders are like three times more successful than startups with whiz kids. You know, Can I tell you why I think that probably is? I think it's humility. I think it's the wiser we get, the, the, the more humble we are in many cases, right? We are more concerned with what is right than being right. We're open to feedback. We have both um, supporters and challengers. Our ego isn't at stake anymore. We're willing to take risks and learn from them and admit when we're wrong. I think those are all leadership competencies that if I had learned in my 20s, I'd be in the White House by now. Well, that's great, Scott. Thank you so much for your time. Andrew, thank you for the platform. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Awakening interviews. If you have a friend who would benefit, please share and subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave a review. We really appreciate it. And remember, always use your power for good.